Hello and welcome to How Do Artists, a show that focuses on a single topic of conversation and asks the question, how do artists live, work, play, run their business, stay inspired, or handle challenges and adversity from an artist's perspective? Our show will speak with a diverse group of artists and creatives, and you, as our listeners, will have a chance to ask your questions during our Q&A segment towards the end of our show. I am your co-host, Carlana Pedersen, artist and illustrator, and I am joined by co-host Ryan Caldwell, musician and producer. Thank you, Carlana. We are excited to say that tonight we have a conversation with New York performer and holistic vocal coach, Chelsea Kamen. Trained both class in classical and musical theater techniques, Chelsea has began to study and perfect the art of cross-training singers' voices. By doing this, she has given each of her vocal students a sustainable and healthy technique to utilize in their performances. Not only is she a musical theater coach, but Chelsea is developing a course called The Awakened Artist, where she walks you through your performance of singing in a more holistic and centered manner. Welcome to our podcast, Chelsea. Welcome. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I am so great. So excited to be here. Well, thank you for being here. Well, it's nice thank to have you. you. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. okay, so why why don't you provide our listeners with a brief background of what you do and how you got started as a holistic vocal coach? Okay, so I am a private voice teacher, and since uh, the quarantine started, pandemic started, began, I have been teaching online completely, and this actually has offered me a chance to teach all around the globe. So it's been a very exciting time for me, and I've been able to kind of branch out and meet more of my community. It's been very exciting. Um, and I got into everything by means of studying music education. And I received a couple of degrees in that. And I was going to uh, be a school teacher. And I was working towards that. I got my New York State certifications. And okay. the year that I was offered a, a uh, substitute teaching gig, I was also offered this gig to teach privately in a studio in Huntington, New York, and actually get to know all of my students. So I thought I should take this opportunity, and I started teaching privately on Long Island. And that's been a wild ride because I definitely didn't know that I was going to be doing this. Wow. <laughs> well, and and what did you what what did you study? Did you study for music education or for performance? So I actually received two degrees in music education. Um, I studied Whoa. my undergraduate. I know. I <laughs> I really love music education. I really am. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I'm an advocate for the arts. I'm an advocate for music education. Fantastic. Um, and uh, so I received my undergraduate. I did my um, teaching there. I got my degree through that, my New York State teaching through that. And then I went to Columbia University Teachers College, got my master's there and studied for a year and a half under some of the greatest teachers I've ever known. Nice. Wow. And so that's been a wild ride. And that's been several years ago already. So I'm constantly studying, constantly developing my own techniques. So it didn't just end there. I still study vocal pedagogy and all that good stuff to be a great teacher. Wow. Oh, I, I, love, I love the term pedagogy. It's one of my, it's, it's a fun, like, cause until you're in like those spheres, you don't, you you never hear that. You word. never say No, that you word. never hear that. That's not something that, that you hear in conversation. 
<laughs> right. The the word is is very elite sounding. Well, and but it Fred- really. Well, and, and for any for anyone who uh, is as ignorant as I was listening right now, uh, the pedagogy no. is the study of teaching. Yeah, which is and really that's a it's a real meta concept, <laughs> right? The study of the study of yeah, the study of teaching. But in voice pedagogy, that is the study of teaching voice. Yeah, so there which you is are. super, which is super, super important, and no one can really agree on it. And it's <laughs> no, but yeah. it's much needed if you think oh, about yeah. it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there have been so many situations where even I knew people who did not have vocal training who were straining their vocal cords, not oh, warming yeah. up properly. I used to um, be in music myself. And so I think we were having this conversation and I was an engineer and I used to have to try to help singers. And sometimes it was really hard because they didn't have, <laughs> they didn't have anything to call upon in terms of their training to do it. Oh yeah. Exactly. So it was, yeah, it was, it's very it's difficult sometimes so it's it's much Absolutely. needed well yeah and I, I, as, as the yeah oh no what are you gonna say oh i was gonna say as as the technique is needed that was all <laughs> well right and that's but that's actually the interesting thing is that it's singing is one of those weird things because everyone starts out with this instrument and some people do yeah. fantastic without any vocal coaching or training however i mean even though there's a have like a real heavy intuitive aspect to it it's also, I mean, what you find with those people is it's you, you basically get into situation if they, they're not, they're not diverse in their skill set. They don't have a diverse foundation and they also have no communication skills. That's wow. where like, that was, I, mean, <laughs> well, I mean, but think about That's it. Unless you've, unless you've had a teacher that teaches you like the language of that technique and, you know, music and what you're doing, you have no way to go and communicate your ideas. You're basically mm. a feral human at that point. Wait, are we talking about, are we talking about <laughs> oh, the, the, the stereotype of, of the dumb? Or are you talking about the process of communicating in a producer, engineer manner, because those two are a little different sometimes. Well, both, both things kind of, but basically like there's, there's, there is a language to singing and like the terms right. you can use. And yes. so a producer could say, I need a little more forward resonance or, you know, show me a little more teeth in this take. And you might just be like, you don't know what that means. I, I totally exactly. get that. But yeah. I think that where holistic value comes into play, uh. that's important is not just the technique that Ryan is 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 discussing, which is <laughs> yeah. important, but how you take care of your vocal cords. I've heard, yeah. I've, 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 I've known singers who have been professional singers doing it for a long time who didn't have <laughs> really that foundation of knowing how to take care of their vocal cords because it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. And over time is when the damage happened, not absolutely in these, you know, moments stress. of recording. Yeah. yeah. Over time is when when the real stress and the damage sort of occurred, right. the palps and the no, the nodes and all these things that sometimes happen yeah. when you're overstraining. So talk to us about that process with your students and 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 helping them with their technique and how does that relate to what we're really going to talk about is, is, which is the stage <laughs> right sure. part Absolutely. of it because I feel that they're connected. They are so connected. That's and true. it's funny. Um, I never called myself a holistic voice coach before until I realized I was 
doing a holistic approach. I've always cared about the whole student. And it's not just, (laughs) oh, how's your week going? Mental check-in. But I'm really asking, you know, are you hydrating? How is your whole body feeling? Did you sleep? So by holistic, people think think that I'm just teaching in an ashram. Like, like it's not about that. That's not what holistic. They think you're going, um, and then that's it, right? right? Like, like I'm just right. Or or, or the other definition of holistic being just ineffective. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But no, I totally, I totally get what you mean because it's like the, one of the hardest, hardest things with voice is just that your instrument is literally a part of you. And so if you're not, if you're not taking care of the rest of you, brain included, then you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yes. Um, singing is body, no pun mind, intended. spirit. <laughs> Holistic. Um, but singing is body, mind, spirit. You know, we need all the connection to happen so that yeah. the instrument can, can be free and release the sound properly. If we just focus on certain exercises mm-hmm. that are just vocal, we only meet like 20% of the instrument's ability. We need to have this kind of balance of the really mindset, which is so, so important to singing. That's, I I dare say, you know, pretty much on the 70, 80% side of how important it is to your singing. If you think you can't hit a note, you won't hit that note. If you think think your voice is getting tight, (laughs) your voice is going to get tight. Like you just, you create your reality vocally. It's awful. It's so bad. It's almost like, that's a lot. That's with a lot of things. Oh yeah. Yes. And it's just, I think one of the things with voice in particular is that just, it's like, cause yeah, like you, like you just said, it's, you get, you, there, there's so many ways that manifests itself in our lives. Like, especially with any sort of confidence. Right. But especially Mm -hmm. with voice, it's like, it's night and day difference, whether you think you can or think you can't like, Mm -hmm. I remember, right. Yeah. When I was taking voice lessons, there was one of those things where, Basically, she said, no, the only way for you to hit that note is just actually thinking that you can hit it. Also, that note is clearly inside your range and you just think you can't hit it because mm-hmm. it's the highest note in the song. But you still have like you have a third Definitely. above that. That's easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's do you why, have to yeah. hear do you have to hear it in your head before you can hit it? Because I used to be able to have to hear it in my head and then I could hit it. But if I couldn't hear it. That is a that really was, interesting question. I don't think I personally do that. But I think that's a really helpful thing that I'm going to steal from you right now, because (laughs) some of my students might really resonate with that. I think, um, especially your visual auditory, I think you might have a special connection that maybe I don't because I'm not a painter. Um, (laughs) But if I could hear it, I could, I, I, if it was in my, for sure, if it was in my range, but if I could even go beyond my range a little, if I could, if someone played it on the piano, hit the note, then if I, and I could hear it back in my head, then I didn't have a problem singing. I think for me personally, it is totally um, almost like a visual thing that happens in my mind that I don't, I don't think of the piano. The piano actually restricts me. Really? It restricts restricts a a lot of my students because you see it and you kind of know like the, the vocal athletic you need. 
Yeah. Because you go, oh, that's a high C. Oh, that's yeah. a G. Ooh, you you ne- never right? let the student look at the keyboard while you're warming them up. <laughs> yes, precisely. <laughs> Is that your tray crying? Turn oh, around. Yeah, no, basically, because they'll go and they'll be like, oh, here I'm gum. I'm coming to the note that I can't hit. It's so yeah. true. That that is true. For me, I it's very vi- it's a very visual thing. I have to and I think have to think about it very free in my body. That and that's how I got to holistic. Because <laughs> I'm but not how your do you average. See it? How do you see? I what kind you of hear. see it. I kind of see in my mind's eye. I don't see what I hear, but I I imagine more of like a visual release, like maybe even just like something that you might see, like a swirl or something that I would. Okay. That's that's how I I see things, but I don't I don't think about it from oh, an auditory point well, of that's, view. That's interesting. But everybody's different. That's well, the and coolest that's, thing. Yeah, because like uh like audiating like hearing sounds in your yes. head. Yeah, yes. that's I mean, I definitely that that's 100% what I would do. And yeah. I don't even have a visual component to that. Yeah. At all. But I mean, that's also one of those interesting things. I mean, I like I like you you just being like grabbing that, need that now because right, right. I mean, anything that came easily is the hardest thing to teach. Like if, mm. if you came easily or you only have one route with that, very true. then that's, that. yeah, that's one of the things very, I very found true. out. I got conned into teaching guitar at one point and, and I'm self-taught on guitar and I had no idea how much of it just kind of came like that because I was already a pianist and a percussionist. And so it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I already, like, I have nothing for, you know, I don't have any exercises. I have nothing. No one had to help me right. through that. Well, that's and, so true. Well, and the other thing is that that's also a lot of how stage fright worked for me. I basically was a victim to the brute force method where they just kept getting me on stage and doing recitals and concerts and shows. And then I did, then of my own volition, I did a lot of open mic nights and things like that. And eventually I just became completely numb to it. Um, However, that is not most people's experience and honestly, probably not the best way to do it. But let's go and dig into (laughs) that. So what, so do you have a lot of diverse approaches to how to handle stage fright or is it just the one track? No, there are, because as you've learned just from here, uh, we all see notes differently. (laughs) So imagine, uh, you know, I took this course uh, in my undergrad and it's actually, it actually proves to us we are all special learners. We all learn in a special or um, extraordinary way. So in that, you have to create tools around each learner. So let's say I have one student who might need to hear the note before they sing it, Um, but there are all different types of learners. So there are so many different tools for this. Um, I can go on. So do you want me to just start at the top? Well, okay, so, so, so with stage fright, do you, I don't know. Well, let's see here. What, what are some good preventative measures for it? So this is, yeah, sure. Well, no, I was gonna, before, maybe before we get to that, maybe we can explain to our listeners what's the difference between you're right, stage you're fright right. and performance anxiety. Is there a difference between those two? And if so, how do you tell the difference? And then we can kind of work from there, oh, I think, yeah. as to... Let's dish out those so connotations. I think, <laughs> I think everyone has... I think everyone has their level of fright or anxiety. I think a simple case of stage fright, and we'll call it stage fright for more of a moderate to not as severe, um, really a lesser form. I would say, ooh, my heart's racing a little bit. I'm I'm scared, but I'm a little excited. Um, That's what I would call stage fright. I would would say more like that. Like you get on stage and it's almost like, and in that moment, 
you don't know whether you're going to croak or be fabulous. So <laughs> oh, okay. it's that, you know, not yeah, completely. Tank or be like, good. You don't know if the right, right, audience right. is going to throw stuff at you or cheer with you. <laughs> right, right. So there's like that level of fright, like, oh, I'm, I'm a little scared. Uh, then we get into performance anxiety and, you know, it can all be under that umbrella, but performance anxiety, I would say is a little bit more severe. I would say that this is possibly even a diagnosable um, type right. of anxiety and it, that it does go hand in hand. If you have anxiety, I actually do have anxiety. So <laughs> hello, hence why we're talking about this. I had to overcome it. So how do I, I overcome it? I, I know how to teach it now. I know how to teach how to overcome it because I've had yeah. it. Right. So I would say performance anxiety is definitely more diagnosable. I'm, I'm, I don't know many, many therapists, but I'm sure it probably is. Um, it is more on the severe side, I would say. And performance anxiety is, I'm going to faint. <laughs> I really yeah. am going, I'm, I'm physically feeling it. I'm getting lightheaded. My mouth is dry. Okay. Uh, my, my heart is pounding and actual this, panic attack territory. This is an actual almost yeah. panic attack territory. So that's kind of more where I was headed towards. At, uh, not when I was very young, like very young, pff, I can do this. No big deal. What oh, yeah. yeah. Um, 12 years old. Like I spoke to this about you guys, uh, to you guys about this. Um, but I said that I could imagine several months ahead that variety show. I was, my heart was pounding at like midnight. Oh my God. And several months away. So that was the, the inkling of, Hmm, I'm not like other girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous for something months ahead of time. And I just thought I would I would just get nervous for something that that was just totally a part of my life. Yeah. Um, and I, I just accepted it and, but still loved it so much. I was just like, whatever, I'll just deal with it. Always very scared, but always kept doing it. Um, then I got into college and once you start studying something, it, it loses its fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I started getting pitted against other people and having juries oh. and judgings and this and oh. that. And I started to kind of lose that outer glow and mm -hmm. started feeling, Ooh, I, I might actually not even be any good. And the ego yeah. starts telling us lies and says, <gasps> yeah, the ego, the ego lies and says, you're not good. You right. shouldn't audition. <laughs> I love your scary voice. That's amazing. Your, your, your fear is valid. Protect yourself. So, Don't suffer the embarrassment. Right. So performance anxiety got to an all-time high when I was around 20. Oh, um, wow. So I did, I though I did my junior recital, almost passed, nearly passed out doing it, but I did it. I did it. And it went great. And then you're on this high. Right. And you're like, why did I ever think I couldn't do this? So right. your mind just constantly plays tricks on you. Um, and college was my worst moment in my performance anxiety. And after that, when I started teaching and, and almost retreating from performing myself, like I would mm -hmm. hide in choruses. I would not oh, audition yeah. for solos. I did all of the things that said, I'm a New York performer without being known. <laughs> So, right. oh, here, here <laughs> I am sabotaging a little bit. 
So you're self-sabotaging yeah. and no matter what, the ego is getting its boost, whether it's for a bad thing or a good thing. So in an effort to not be an egomaniac, you're still kind of stroking the ego and saying, yes, the fear is real. So yeah, you want to not do that. And I have tools for you. <laughs> <gasps> you have tools? I have a oh, whole boy. toolkit. There are, so, you know, before each performance, I have like a different kind of gauge that I might need. So my tools differ before every performance or before any time that I have to like do something like this or, you know, talk to someone. So it always kind of defers and, and has a range. And I'm going to start from the top, which is being present, staying in the present moment without overthinking, just staying very lightly, like, word by word, note yeah. by note, whatever you're doing. Um, like right now, I'm thinking about just displaying my knowledge and talking to you guys. I'm not panicking <laughs> about, okay, being present, I have to say this, right? I'm just staying in the yeah. moment. I'm sharing what I have to share with you, um, despite yeah. word fumbles or anything like that. So you want to stay present and be in the flow. I'm going to get to that a little bit more later. Ooh. But um, a, so being present is very, very important. And you're going to want to do that almost hand in hand with meditation as a behind the scenes thing. So I'm going to talk about that tool. Okay. Um, so another tool that's incredibly helpful is in my studio, I actually have my students build their avatar. Now, this is what I like to call the Lady oh. Gaga factor or the Beyonce Sasha Fierce factor. <laughs> Beyonce creates Sasha Fierce to get on stage. Lady Gaga, Stephanie Germanata created Lady Gaga to get on stage. So you almost create this persona with a whole system of values and things they hold near and dear to their heart and their mind. And you create this character. You can draw it out. You can draw out the person. You can draw out their wigs, whatever you need. And you create this person because it's very easy when you're in musical theater, I feel, because you can go on stage and say, my character wouldn't be scared. So essentially, I'm not going to be scared right now. Yeah, I'm going to be scared right up until I put on the shoes and get out there with this blonde wig. But right. <laughs> you can also stay in that sort of avatar character mode when you're still yourself. So ways we can do this is really just by creating somebody that you want to most be. So that can still actually be, It's this is the funny part, while creating your avatar, you'd be so surprised to see that there's no cognitive dissonance. Like the things that you value are the things that your avatar values. So it mm -hmm. might be confidence. Well, yeah, you're, you're wanting that. So that's a value. That's a value that you hold and that your avatar holds. You might mm -hmm. value honesty. Your avatar can hold that and you can hold that. And by the time you're done building your avatar, you actually realize, I think I just created my authentic self. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Plot That's twist. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so creating the avatar, this is why, this is my spiritual mentorship. This kind of goes hand in hand with everything that that handles. But um, yeah. building that avatar is so important because we're so powerful. The mindset is so powerful and right. we don't realize it until we we build this avatar and we see, wow, these are some of the same values I hold. And so, so, I really, so I, this is, yeah. Oh, sorry not to interrupt, but I, I immediately had a flashback to Fight Club when you were talking about that. <laughs> Being like, yeah, well, I, I, technically Tyler Durden was also an avatar. <laughs> 
anyhow, as as you as you were saying. No, and um, and if you find it hard to build the avatar, sometimes you know younger singers are like, "This is not for me." Yeah, um, right. The thing you can do is just pretend to be someone else. Uh, you can pretend. To because I got to tell you, Adele pretends to be someone else too. So even if you had this mindset of, uh, okay, I want to pretend to be Adele, you're pretending to be whoever Adele's pretending to be on stage. Although <laughs> now, she's pretending to be. Well, now, now, now Adele's <laughs> pretending to be someone with better vocal technique. <laughs> she's doing great. She's doing great. Wow, you don't like Adele's voice? No, no, her voice was great, but she had to get surgery. Oh, that's yeah. Right. She she did have notes. Yeah, she remember notes. right? She did like rolling in the deep and then disappeared for yeah. a few years. <laughs> Yeah, oh. I mean, that's a big deal when you're a singer and you've got to have palops or notes taken so. off. Yeah, I mean, it's and scary. it's it's so rigorous the the touring schedule. Like that's yeah. something I I know myself am not cut out for. It's crazy. Mm. That can be really really insane. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's yeah. her ego or id that she probably pops on before stage. Because really, at the end of the day, we're all a bunch of scared children inside. <laughs> it's It can Absolutely. be scary, you yeah. know? Like, oh, if yeah. we're really being vulnerable, we're all that five-year-old that's like, uh, why am I doing this? <laughs> so it's so important to build the thing you want to be. I think that's such an oh, yeah. important thing in life and in performing. Um, so that's a big tenet for me. The next thing is the behind the scenes work. That's your meditation. That's actually going on YouTube and going confidence meditations or self-esteem meditations, <laughs> or honestly, I still right. do it. Like, how can I feel good today? How can I feel ready for this? Um, there's even, if you have the calm app, there's a confidence series, mm -hmm. love right. it. Um, it's, it's, there's actually something, um, before your big meeting or, you know, right. and it just kind of talks you through being still present in the flow. Right. And that kind of really, really gets me into a Zen state and can help logically get me out of fear because logically I'm, I'm, I've already built up this muscle. It's about pushing yourself to that edge, just like exercise, you're building that muscle. So the muscle starts to remember, oh, I've done this before. I can do it again. No big deal. No sweat. I'm capable. And every time that fear comes up, you just keep reminding yourself logically, nope, I can do this. I can do this. I've done it before. But the thing is, you got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it over and over again. So your subconscious goes, she has been doing this a lot so <laughs> or they haven't <laughs> so uh, speaking of exercising do you have specific exercises that you give to your students for preventative measures so things that they can do um in addition to meditation or maybe it's sure, just sure. meditation that you do I, walk us through a little bit of that so uh breath work is so important in getting our heart rate back down so it's there's not necessarily there are vocal things that you can do, like a whale or that, you know, a well-supported, ah, uh, you know, just yeah. getting it out, getting that energy out. Yeah. Um, but really, there's nothing that you can do vocally that can take away the fear. The fear is in the body. The fear is in the mind and the body, not always just lying in the vocal folds. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so breath work and and releasing that nervous energy from the body is paramount. Um, the, the vocal part, though, that's all learned through the voice technique. So there's the 
the voice coach, which is the vocal folds and and the exercises and all that. And the holistic is the body, Mm -hmm. the breath, the spirit. So that's that size. So there actually isn't like one exercise that I do necessarily um, that can stop the shakiness because the shakiness (laughs) might still be there Yeah, regardless. Right. Yeah. So uh, breath work is so important. So that is an inhale, one, two, three, and a hold of four, and then out for eight. Um, you have to build up to eight. It's very difficult to right. breathe in, hold, and then do for eight. You really have to work on um, your breath support and releasing very, very slowly. So that actually helps scientifically lower the heart rate. I've done my research. And these and are probably techniques that help anyone who has anxiety to a large degree. Yes. Yeah. You know, performance yes, anxiety is in corporate too. When people have to do presentations, I mean, some people absolutely. like fall apart and they're like, oh my gosh. Absolutely. I don't want to speak so, in front of these 20, you know, executives. So, so, <laughs> so, I was going to say they could rewind, but one more time. What, what were those numbers for breath holding? Because I feel, I feel like I've heard this number before. So you can go, so this, I do a lot. I actually do this for my students who also start having some meltdowns in their lessons. Mm. Um, I have, you know, listen, we as artists are notoriously hard on ourselves. So (laughs) there are tears. That's okay. So it's in two, three. So you'll just breathe in, hold two, three, four, and then release two, three, four, five, six. And then just completely, whatever you have left, let out. Hiss, and for, and for, high, for anyone sigh. listening, feel free to breathe along with us at home. Yes, <laughs> we're all doing it. This is actually a meditation. I'm, I'm doing it right now. I'm, I'm, no, I'm that's, quite that's relaxed. Huge, though. Thank like you. big, no, like hold, deep breaths. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's us, so yeah. important. Where are you the hold gives us that. Sh- oh, that hold gives us that kind of shelf. And then we f- then can deeply feel that release. And the release really is the mental and the physical that we're allowing to kind of sew into the body. So now when we have that release, we're mentally going, ah, I'm releasing. Your subconscious goes, oh, she's letting go of something. They're letting go of something. So it's, it is important. And the breath work like that is so important to your singing. Mm. So that's not something wasted. So calming a student down is never wasted breath work. You're not wasting my time. We're actually building <laughs> your stamina. Right, right. Well, especially if you make that a good, nice, deep, low breath too. <laughs> oh, yes. Remember the ribs have to expand. The chest has to stay still. I was just mm. going to say mm. that. And I came from the generation where the vocal teachers would turn you around and say, feel that right there underneath your rib cage yeah. that's your diaphragm now yeah. of course the teachers cannot can't, touch yeah, you can't, can't do gosh. any of that but I my often, daughter i would do that to her all the time because she she's a, she sings and so i'm like kaylin you're not using your diaphragm and she's like i don't know where it is and i'm like turn around you know, know? <laughs> and, and, and diaphragm is is such a strange terminology for this generation and right there are actually so many voice teachers that are like refraining from using that terminology because oh, they can't show you where it is. Uh, there's no oh. way they can show you where your diaphragm right. is unless Listen, they you take can... your finger and show you where it is. And that's <laughs> where I learned how to yes. expand and contract my diaphragm to re- to get more air into right. your lungs. I used yeah. to draw oh. pictures. <laughs> I, i'd be like here's your lungs and here's the rib cage and there's the diaphragm and there's your guts and if you know when the diaphragm pushes out all your guts go out so if your guts aren't going out you're not getting any real air 
So listen, kids, do it like (laughs) me, Ryan. So squeeze your guts. They don't mind. It doesn't. (laughs) Unless they're they're digesting food, in which case they mind a little bit, but who cares what they have to say anyhow. Truly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, for the younger students, you might want to say, like, it's your laugh muscle or your cough muscle or something that they can relate it to. But yeah, it's ask, ask 10 voice teachers how they feel about using the terminology diaphragm these days and they will. Good. You're probably going to get some varied, varied answers. Yeah, and, and, and for and me, what, I'm like, let well, I was them gonna, know. I was going to say, and one, and one of those, one of those voice teachers doesn't even know what the diaphragm is. <laughs> <laughs> probably. That's also the worst. When you see like professional vocalists, just big chest breaths. It's like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't aware. I thought that was illegal. It's the lungs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and even the the way of engaging the breath has changed since I started singing. Oh, um yeah. it used to be low belly breath, low yeah. belly breath. Then recently my voice teacher was like, "Nah, your ribs got to expand." <laughs> no, I was the rib generation. My mom was the Yay. low belly cuz she I'm like, mom, they're telling me to breathe from my chest. Yeah, the ribs. It's generational. The the ribs, it's and it seems cyclical. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's the worst part. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's that's, that's a huge well, I mean, because when you think about it, it's like, yeah, your whole chest cavity has to expand. All of it does expand, but as long as you're not doing like that solid clavicular breathing. With your yes, clavicles. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I know what you mean, but. Yeah, as yeah. long as like your shoulders no. still don't move your shoulders. That's never changed. Right. Don't. Yeah, exactly. But you can tell those who are using it properly well, from those who can't. Unless we're going way back to like, you know, some solid 1800s, like operatic corset singing. True. <laughs> they would pass out because like- they're not getting enough air. So they're not. They well, weren't. You know, they passed nothing, out because they weren't getting enough air. I was gonna say nothing. Nothing makes diaphragmatic breathing She's harder. Right. Like going and squeezing your diaphragm as hard as you can. Yeah, those were <laughs> terrible. In come the guts, but yeah. Yeah. So there are more tools if you want to hear yes. more tools. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, so, so yeah. Uh, oh, I uh, was one thing I was gonna yeah. say is I want to hear. So what's the worst stage fright experience you've seen? Basically, someone who who Ooh. didn't come out the other side well. You know, okay. Like, have you got any walk-offs or anything like that? or No walk-offs, but, you know, things we've worked on. I've, I've heard complete key changes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm in, and oh, this poor girl. And I'm in the front row, like, kind of going. <laughs> like trying, trying to get to help her back, her. back on track and she's nope. a phenomenal singer she's a yeah. phenomenal singer if you can't hear yourself you're doomed no. that's it that's it and um i've yeah. just heard honestly i think the most and this actually goes hand in hand with the breath support the most common thing i hear is like the pitchiness and the wavering mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and that goes back to breath work it's they really, just can't get that. They can't connect with their support if they're nervous. They get yeah. too much, too much in the head, not enough into a calm body, and yeah. it's over. It's over before That's it so started. Hard. It's so hard. It is. So, it is so hard. And you know, it's funny. As much as I've had performance anxiety, I've never had it physically erupt with a vocal instability. I've never oh, had. That's um, great. Yeah, I've never that so it's funny because I sound like a basket case, but I've never I've actually never personally had <laughs> well, I've never personally had that shake you, or quiver. You've never passed out on stage? I have I haven't, 
but I always have that feeling like I'm about to, or my heart is racing so, so heavily. Um, Or maybe it's so way worse in my mind than anybody else could even say in my eyes. You know, I think it's so much of how we build it up to ourselves. So I would tell you like, yes, I should be diagnosed tomorrow, but um, you know, who knows? I I do. You can also put on a good show. And I think that that goes to, being a performer and the training that you have in that. And that goes with my, my next tool, which is be so prepared. You're in the flow. So make sure you're not, you know, what was that note? What are those words? You know, it's so well, it's ingrained in your DNA. Yeah. I start all. I love. That. I was like, oh, yes. I so with the agree affirmative. With that. <laughs> My motto. I don't know. You know, in New York, we have something called NISMA, New York State School Music Association, and oh. um, and when you're doing higher level NISMA, which yeah. is just more complicated arias or musical theater songs, mm-hmm. um, those level. It's it goes to a level six, and I start my students way in advance. I start that most teachers might say like, okay, it's January and we have to prepare for a March thing or April thing. No, September, September, you're coming in and we're learning this. We're learning it now. We're starting with diction. We're starting with the notes next week. We're starting. It, I, I teach it to them the way I studied in college. I studied yeah. it. This is your translation week. This is your line week. This is your text communication week. This is, right. so you really have to well, break it down. So it's on a cellular level. You cannot just kind of splotch it together. I have so many students that are like, I want to do this thing next week. And it freaks me out. Well, yeah. so, so there's actually, there's something I learned a while ago that kind of tees into that. Cause you know, you think about practicing, right. And, you know, practicing and re- rehearsing this stuff and going over it and over it and knowing sure. it like the back of your hand, mm-hmm. but it's uh, not just doing it because amateurs practice until they get something right. But professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. Ooh, right. You gotta write this down. <laughs> well, and then the other one is like what we were, what we I mentioned earlier, which is if you're if you're on stage and you still have to think about what you're doing, if you're thinking right. you're stinking, it's it, you're then that. you're not That's in the so, moment, you're not in the flow, and you're not absolutely. doing it. You're worried. That's right. About it. Yeah. That I I could not agree with that more because there is such a difference in terms of preparation when you know. When you know the material, the song, or the music, especially singers, if you know that song back and forth and upside down and inside out, and then you start to articulate what the meaning and the emotion of that song is, because you're past the words, you're now conveying meaning and emotion. And that's a level that, that you have to get to in music. Definitely. So when singers are at that level, that's what every like opera singer, they are singing at that level. They are conveying 100%. the emotion of that aria. They're, that's where they are. So yeah. when I hear just, you know, pop singers singing, I mean, it's great. But like when you really get one singer or a singer that just takes it to that next level, it's it's amazing. Right. So, so I, and you can't get there unless you go beyond preparing. Yeah. Right. I so think, I totally, I think, uh, yeah, 100%. to that, 
Yeah, to that, like, I, I automatically thought of just, uh, you, you know, your run-of-the-mill auto-tuned pop song. Right. Do they sound mentally in it? Are they engaged? No. Are they, en- I feel like it's a lot of da 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 It's like, yes. okay, well, thank you for that catchy tune. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that I mean, un, un, well, and I think one of the other hard things with pop songs is frequently they're a little one note. They're, I mean, it's like, oh, absolutely. They, they are designed, yeah. you know, basically man, they're, uh, they're manufactured to be two dimensional. Right. Right. To pander yeah. to the general public. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. They're yeah. In, and, and the vocalists in there are doing a fantastic job of also being cartoon characters. Yes. There's nothing That's wrong true. with there's absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that that market because obviously there's a market for it because there's people want yeah. it and, oh, and yeah. need it. But if you're talking about like performing and oh, performance yeah. work and crafting your music that's that's you know that's a different subject so i I don't even like to compare yeah. the two because they're both doing two completely separate things so right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Two, yes. two completely separate tracks. They are doing, they, and you're also pandering to different people. You're pandering to general right. public it's, on the radio. You're pandering yeah. to an opera house with a subscription level of, you know, a thousand dollars per seat. And right, it's, just a, it's a different kind of audience. Expect a lot more than. So you know, I, I, I just I just wanted to quick circle back because I, I I remembered sure. a uh, a time when I was in choir because you were talking about changing keys, doing like a oh. impromptu <laughs> sporadic key change on stage. However, I was in choir and we were doing uh, this this big Vespers concert, which you know, happens every oh. year. And it's and I Vespers. went to a huge choral school, like they're, Vespers they're, ordinary. Oh yeah, but this is the. Uh, but basically the the whole the whole school is participating in this. It's like it's it's a it's a massive event because vocal students out like I think just outnumber instrumental students. What did you do, Ryan? What? what? Oh, did I did do? I did stuff. Um <laughs> but the but basically they had the 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 top choir. No, yeah, they had uh, all the men, just all the men across all the choirs. So there's like a big old men's choir, and then there's also the two top choirs. And or like the top choir and then the penultimate choir. And so they were ba- they were performing all the men from the all the best vocalists were performing out in the very back of this giant auditorium. They were in the back behind the uh, the audience on top of the loge. Oh, or no, not not on the loge, the uh, the balcony. Um, and then the men's the low level, like everyone gets in men's choirs on stage. Right. And they were thinking, it's like, yeah, that'll be a great setup. So, you know, the more advanced people can go and perform in the harder acoustic. And they can project more. Exactly. Is what they're thinking, and it'll right? work. And so they had, they had, and the conductor was basically conducting both at the same time, you know? <laughs> um, one, one, one hand over here, one hand over here. And, yeah. But the acoustic, I mean, it's such a massive room. And with the place filled up, it's dead as heck. It does, you get nothing back from it. Nothing. It's, it's the opposite of an opera house. Um, so... Basically, they were go. Actually, I think I was on stage for this. Uh, we we were going through it and we were singing, and it was it was a little bit of a tricky piece. But then the men's choir on stage started falling flat, Ooh. and basically fell flat about a whole step. And the choir and the the composite choir in the back of the house stayed straight as an arrow. And oh, so no. basically the second half of this piece ended up being aggressively bitonal. Oh no. <laughs> and the conductor in the center was just like, 
this is my life. I did this. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's like, we should have prepared better. <laughs> Anyhow, someone went up to him after the show and said, that was actually really brave of you to go and do something so avant-garde for Vespers. That was like, I've never heard of bitonal sacred piece in this context before. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, geez. Did you guys pull it off? No. I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, no so one nasty. screamed, no one stormed off stage, and no one left the audience. So I guess it we pulled it off. <laughs> I mean, he's getting compliments. Oh God. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh. It was avant garde. Okay, I got it. Oh yeah, avant. Love it's it. very out. It's progressive. <laughs> it's forward thinking. It's sounding that's bad so on funny. purpose. <laughs> but yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, it's so. Well, I was oh, going to say ahead, we're, we're, we're reaching the end of our time slot rapidly, but I want to make sure that anyone who's listening to this gets the full uh, allotted amount of wisdom that you had prepared for them. Oh, so Whew. so so what, what what else you got? What what haven't you touched yet? OK, so there's I'm assuming tool. you're prepared. Oh, <laughs> you have no idea. She's got more material than we know what to do with. Nice. <laughs> and that's that's honestly, that's one of my problems, I think. Over prepared. I, I give. I give two, uh, well, because I'm trying to write something right now and I have like 24 pages and it's like too much. <laughs> so oh. I, have to, I have to take away my, my, coach was, my coach was like, okay. I'm like, is it a lot? It's overwhelming. It's too much. He's like, you want to simplify it. You want to just <laughs> make it easy for like the, a, an average person i'm like okay like and i'm like a crazy person with like a chalkboard like i'm like yeah with, 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 with strings and photographs with and strings and photographs <laughs> okay well what i'm thinking is yeah. <laughs> i'm that person i feel oh, like i've person. seen you like on stage somewhere in new oh york i spent time in new york for a little bit I, you know, I have, I, so I was in this choir in New York city. It was called Cantori, New York. And we, we performed in a lot of places and ultimately, you know, it was, um, they did a lot of avant-garde music. So that was actually really funny that you mentioned that <laughs> lots of new age avant-garde. Nice. Um, and then I, I, we did some really quirky and fun things. So I've been, I ha was in a lot of different performing venues in New York city for like five solid years. So oh, nice. perhaps from 2011 to 2014, 15, maybe 15 was my final year, I think. So nice. four years then doing that. Um, I think it was essentially five seasons from what I remember. Um, but yeah, so I, I was performing and I was there, you know, we ha we used to have these rehearsals every Thursday from seven to 10 and I still lived on Long Island. So it would be like those late dinners, the acid reflux is real. And <laughs> <That's> real. <laughs> that late at night, I think I'm being counterproductive here. Um, <laughs> so, so, but yeah, we, we performed several times a year and we have just amazing performing opportunities and they're still performing. You can find them Cantor in New York. Um, wonderful choral director that does that very intelligent, very cool group. And yeah, so I had a great time doing that. And after that, I started doing more things on Long Island just to be more conducive to me teaching here. I, I teach on Long Island. Um, so I started doing community theater and just going around here and there are actually like really good theaters on Long Island. You'd be surprised. Oh, yeah. There are, there's, yeah. um, if you've ever heard of the Angaman theater, um, my friends performed there and, uh, I have, you know, one day I, I, yeah, so they're right in Northport. Great, great 
prestigious theater, um, the Argyle Theater, which is kind Argyle. of right by me. I've, yep, and that's yeah. the Argyle. So, yeah, so there are there are actually like actually good theaters here. So we have a couple of claims to fame. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. So I, you might have seen me around. I could have. Oh wow! Nice. <laughs> you, got, um, you got that. You've got a very familiar face. For oh, sure. you know, oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> but my last tool. Oh yes. <laughs> Please tell us. I have one. I have one more tool, but I, I can talk about this forever. So the final tool is actually really simple. Um, this is actually exercising and releasing the tension from your body. So this is literally in any sort of physical activity, because mm -hmm. when the when the energy is dormant, stagnant, and just rattling you, it needs to be released in some way. It's like a, a bloodletting, but you know, sure. sweat let sweat letting. Let's call it that. <laughs> I just made, just made I know, that. I, I love that. I'm gonna use that. Oh, well, I, I need to go do some sweat letting. <laughs> like, where the I'll hell take it. So tell me what it is, because I'll probably be using it this this week sometime. <laughs> so yeah, um, it doesn't have to be right before the performance because you don't want to be out of breath. But in some way, shape or form, you want to release the energy that can be through yoga, pure bar, any sort of working out, bicep curls, crunches. There's also a thing called um, tapping that is very, very popular in like the new age therapy world which is where you actually tap pressure points in oh, your body to kind of release tension, energy, demons, whatever you have, what have you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so what you're doing is you're kind of releasing oh. that, that energy. <laughs> too much, too much. Oh no, okay. no, that's perfect. Yeah, that's Ryan. No, oh, that's, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Scale back, scale back. Oh no! So yeah, oh, no. In, in in any way, <laughs> in any any way, shape, or form, you do want to physically release the tension so that your heart rate can go up in a healthy manner. So the mm. heart rate is typically up in an anxiety stasis, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's in that kind of thing um, for anxiety or stage fright, right? It's already elevated, but you're not moving. So right. now your heart is pounding and you're sitting. So the yeah. body also panics with that. Like, okay, my heart is racing, but I'm not doing cardio. Right. So, right. so in, or okay. So with a health professional, because depending on the level of anxiety, let's say you do some cardio on top of the anxiety, you might, that might not be good for some people. Right. So you do have to know your body. This is where the holistic thing comes in handy. You do have to know your body and have spoken to maybe some doctors about the anxiety you're feeling if it's that great. But ideally, even just a little bit of light yoga will not harm you in any way, shape or form. Any sort of stretching. Stretching is a very common thing that we do. First thing we get up in the morning, maybe yeah. a little bit before we go to bed. Anything that you can slightly elevate the heart rate and remind the body like, hey, I'm human. I'm in this body. No need to fear. And you can kind of drop back in because now you're physically exerting yourself to mm -hmm. elevate that heart rate. So that's another tool that I found really, really helpful, incredibly, incredibly useful in my work. And I'll recommend it to anyone, even just doing some jumping jacks, you know, just releasing in any way, shape or form is yeah. so, so important to just reminding yourself, okay, I'm human, which this is normal. We have, we have a natural thing, which is called automated avoidance. Hmm. When we're scared, 
we want to retreat. That's a protective barrier so that we potentially didn't get eaten in right. the rock age. Right. You know? So, so yeah, it's, it's very human and this is very normal that our bodies still are producing these hormones and, and fear levels. So automated avoidance just tells us, wow, this is scary and I don't want to do this. And then the ego goes, don't do it or do it. So that's when we start to flex that muscle. The more we bring ourselves to that edge, the more we use that muscle, mm -hmm. the easier it gets, the more we can logically say, I've done it before. And we just keep pushing ourselves to that edge. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes awesome. sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I, I'm gonna try that for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna try I'm gonna all. I can. I can email you all these tips. They're, they've, oh, yeah. they've really oh, helped yeah. me. They're 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 no, like seriously. my try, take, tried take and true. <laughs> nice. Well, and they're my I, I, tried and true. Yeah. I was gonna say more. More to your point. I mean, a lot of the stuff you're saying is you're just very eloquently describing things that I was like, oh, I did that. I just yeah. had no one to tell me to do it. I just found right. it out through beating my head into a wall. Which, if you can right. go and have someone, which is cardio <laughs> <laughs> percussive cardio the percussive uh cardio there you go but yeah no i was like especially with the, the the making your avatar thing i remember there was like some point when i was on stage yeah. in high school and i was it was like the biggest concert i had performed at at that point and i was like so nervous before i was getting up there because i had totally. never done something like that yeah and basically I, I essentially just came to a point like right before i did that which was like, okay, so you're, you could either choose to go and be very nervous about this, or you can choose to be very enthusiastic because the energy yeah. feels basically the same. It does. And I, so, you know, yeah. yeah, no, but I basically just channeled that. And it's like, how are you doing, Bachavia? And, you yeah. know, just basically got, went into the kind of that mode instead. But the, I think the avatar kind of idea is the best possible description of that because you are it's making there. a new persona. Yeah. And I, yeah. On, I came upon it just by writing. I was writing, you know, how do I build confidence? <laughs> you right. <think> just <laughs> typing this out. I'm like, so I wrote build your avatar. And I was like, this is actually building confidence, building yeah. self-esteem. Oh, right. Yeah. And then, so uh, I emailed my entire studio. Okay. March, we're working on your avatars. Enter. So nice. <laughs> Oh, that's so fantastic. That was it, you know, that's yeah, fantastic. Like, like everybody's going to be working on this in March in my studio. We're all going to be working on confidence, self-esteem and how those are different, all that good stuff. But I liked how you just mentioned, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Anxiety and nervousness feels the same. Elevated heart rate, sweaty, yeah. sweaty palms, mm -hmm. fear, excitement, all feels the same. It does right. the same thing physiologically. You know what? This has been absolutely wonderful. I mm -hmm. we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. It's <laughs> thank been you for having me. So delightful talking with you. And and Ryan, did you did you have anything that you wanted to ask before we close out today? Oh, I am I I am good. I am good. I mean, we mean everyone can find her email. There's probably a contact form on That's that right. website. There, oh, there <laughs> where there's a <laughs> Why don't you tell us um, where our guests and our listeners can find you? Okay, so I'm very easy to find. I'm singwithchelsea.com. I'm also singwithchelsea on Instagram. I'm Camin Music on Facebook, but that's oh. going to be changing soon. Not a big deal. <laughs> um, but under singwithchelsea.com, super easy. Um, you can find it under booking and you can 
message me there. You can also, if you want to just get down to a lesson, there's a coaching application on there too. If you feel, if you feel you want to get into it. So there are both things there. And I'm also very reachable through Instagram platforms. So those are great ways to find me. Well, fantastic. Well, man. Uh, well, hey, thanks everyone for joining the How Do Artists live stream podcast. And on behalf of myself and Carlana Pedersen, we would like to say so long until next week. Same time, same place. Bring your questions and your curiosity and we will see you then. How Do Artists is a live stream podcast hosted and produced by Ryan Caldwell and Carlana Pedersen. Our theme song, How to Live by Bird Garden featuring Rodgers and Cooper was written by Ryan Cooper, Anna Rogers, and Ryan Caldwell. The How Do Artists logo, illustrations, and art design were created by Carlana Pedersen. Tune into our live streams and stay up to date by following us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. For more information about Ryan Caldwell, visit ryancaldwellmusic.com. And for more information about Carlana Pedersen, visit carlana.com. Tune in next time, and thanks for listening.